this conversation is going to feature Jonathan Muller. Jonathan's one of the nurses, is that he right, is, Mel? He is. He's one of the specialist palliative care nurses in the team. Great. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to hearing what uh, Jonathan's got to say because again, another different perspective on palliative care. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and again, Jonathan's someone I could listen to all day, and his philosophy on life is is very interesting. Mm. I think one of the things that I found um, great about doing this is that I've had the opportunity to speak to a whole range of different people involved in palliative care. And whilst the the sort of the general view of palliative care is the same, people bring their own perspectives and their own heart yeah. to this uh, to this project and to the, and to the work, the palliative yeah. care work. Absolutely. So you'll hear that in Jonathan. Fantastic. Absolutely. So my name's Jonathan Muller and I'm a nurse and I work here with the community palliative team at Barwon Health. What drew you to palliative care as a nurse? You have a lot of options. Why, why palliative care? Uh, I've been many things in my life and, and nursing's the latest invention of myself. And the quick arc is I never really wanted to work in hospitals. So that was a key thing. Community's my, always been my focus. And I had a little go at management and quickly escalated up through the ranks and went, no, this is not for me. So even though palliative is a specialty, I was like, it's, they're the people that have the most heart. The staff are the people that are probably the kindest out of any speciality I've seen in medical world. So that's the last stop. I either go in there and it works or it doesn't, and, or I'm out. I'm out of the whole medical world. Uh, and that was just like a glove that fit, just walked straight in. And that was like, okay, these are my people and this goes well. So that's been going, this is my mm, ninth year now as a specialist in, in palliative care. The beauty in palliative care and particularly community palliative care is a lot of room for people. And <laughs> yeah, I dig that. On a day-to-day basis, tell us what you do and importantly, how you take that heart with you. Yeah. So there's there's the there's the nurse on paper and the task list there and you know I'm not really that interested in that. You tick those boxes they're important to tick but to me they should be quickly got over with. Yeah. So the task should be done and and and, and out of the way and, and open up for the rest of it. So those tasks are obviously checking in and symptom management and and doing all these things and not that it, it's it's boring but it's routine. And, and there's a level of interest that you can kind of engage at. That's not what has me still in this game after this many years. Mm. I do that, check those boxes and park it. And then I'm interested to see what's kind of going on, obviously with the patient and in the family dynamic. And also myself, because I've acknowledged and I understood as time has gone on that I'm actually figuring myself out in the process. huh? So when I'm turning up and being with someone, there's always that possibility for me to to reflect and understand a bit more about how I am, you know, and, and you, you figure yourself out in that sort of, that, that dynamic. For me, what keeps me going is that kind of constant engagement and updating of kind of what, what the business is of living. And that's obviously a great place to do it. It's in palliative care because you're dying, you know. Once you've got a, a, set, a set end date, well, now, now, we're, now we're living, you know. What difference does that make for the person, for the patient, for the person, for the individual and their family, do you think? 
I've also given up on trying to do real tangible things. Like it, when I began, I used to think, oh, maybe, maybe there's a whole bunch of room for people to make big transformations, you know, bucket lists, all this sort of stuff. It's not really, I don't see much of it happening. People live their lives. You know, if they haven't been doing it in their life, they're not about to suddenly start doing it. That's fairly well understood. Mm. There's room though for a, a genuine engagement, I guess, and giving a fair bit of room where it's not filled up with a stack of words or a stack of action. Yeah, and if you can kind of just eke out the, the quiet gaps a bit, I think there, there happens some good stuff in there. Yeah, that, that there's acceptance, engagement, companioning, and that, that keeps it fresh. But in, in a way, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you're, I, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, you're forming relationships with people patients who um and these relationships i mean all our relationships are finite but these ones are particularly yes. kind of definite in their duration mm. right so that's it's a kind of interesting um it's, it's an interesting form of relationship right? it is yeah i think you know the common question always you know you're taking out students well you know geez is it difficult they're, they're all dying and my response is always my conceptualization and my response is and hasn't actually changed. I think generally, if you're to go for long term, you're healthy, you're just built for it. Yeah? And you're able to sort of finish the day and not think about those people anymore. Now, that's just an inbuilt, innate thing that you can't necessarily train yourself to die. I, I believe you either got it or you haven't. And if you don't have it, you tread a very dangerous ground of carrying around all these dead people on your shoulders, very unhealthy. Anyway, I naturally have it i didn't work on it you could say that maybe some of it, my life experiences and understandings have shaped me into a position where that could happen but it already happened before i hit palliative care so the business of a finite amount of time with me doesn't bother me in the least yeah so long-term relation short-term relationship it's it's that kind of well, we've got this moment here let's have the chat let's do it now and that's all there is so there's no sort of sense of a, a poignancy for me when I'm with people talking things through, it's just an opportunity, yeah. So you mentioned students, and I'm assuming you're talking about student nurses and, you know, that that is clearly something, is part of your role. Yes. And, and added to that, I wonder about the role modelling. Mm -hmm. So having it as part of your role is fine, but then the role modelling of great great practice and, and good heart practice, if, mm -hmm. if you like, mm -hmm. is an interesting thing that I, that I think you, you and people in your role, as well as doctors and, you know, whatever, and allied health have a, have a responsibility for. Can, can you give us some more thoughts about that whole student, yeah, that student relationship? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, generally, generally we, we, we tend to get student doctors, yeah, and often fourth year. So that's kind of good. And it's not in the really early stage. That's kind of good because they're just getting ready to fly and, um, and they haven't gotten too jammed in. So anyway, and you take them out with you for the day. And, you know, to me, I'm not a big one for having strong agendas, but it's a very tasty opportunity to download some good stuff into them <laughs> in the car. So, and then, and then obviously role model in, in the engagement. And, and so, cause medical students, 
and medical types are jammed in their heads and kind of just want to fix stuff. So in the car, the dialogue I find myself on repeat with is kind of like, okay, medical, blah, 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 blah. Let's get out of that. And like, so we're not in here to fix anything. Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe he has got some pain issues and nausea, but let's get, let's get that out of the way <laughs> and try and try and give them the broad picture of community and then palliative care and, and, a, and a vision that is essentially non-medical about palliative care to try and rip them out of the kind of like, okay, you know, what's their bloody bloods and this and that, da, 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 da. So let's, yeah, let's try access into the heart and, and get out of the mind. I think it's really important because I think naturally as you get out of your head, you enter, mm -hmm. or at least you enter your body. It's a good place to start. So I think even though, even though I um, don't overly wish to kind of come in with that agenda it, it happens naturally and it's a good opportunity at least to sort of give them an opportunity to see from a different perspective and I guess also see I, I like I view myself as having my medical straps pretty good you know I'm pretty on the ball so they can kind of see here's a person that's accomplished with that and just not located only in that yeah that they can now that quick 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 done and let's get on to the next agenda and so modeling that in in an encounter which you know I had I had the medical student this morning, a pretty gung-ho guy. Yeah, he's like late 20s. He's pretty full on and he's going to be a surgeon. Huh? And um, commendable, you know, awesome. Good, you go for that, man. But uh, this is palliative care. We're in the community and you say, drop all that shit. How, how about we go in and just, you know, figure out who's on the end, on the end of the line here. And so it was good. So we, we, we did those kind of discussions. And this, the gentleman that we, we saw this morning has been a long, you know, five-year kind of battle with cancer. Yeah, and okay, now we're at the end of the line. So it was kind of good because we didn't have to talk all the medical business, really, because he knew his whole journey is well acquainted with the whole thing. And so we got into business of how you doing, yeah? And he's, you know, as it turns out, well, we're the second people he's ever told that he found his father dead when he was 15, you know? And pfft, all that stuff comes up. And we've only just even started thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. And, and so all that comes in. You can see the, the big strapping surgeon to be. Shit, right. You know, like this is this is this is kind of like a different thing, huh? To to the medical. So anyway, for him, I mean not not by any means would he swerve away from his trajectory. I think he I think it's probably a good place, it's a good match for his personality to go into surgery. That's good. But it gave him certainly an opportunity to look at it from another perspective and understand also what happens outside of hospital walls and, and surgeries and stuff like that. So it was a great that's, opportunity. That's a really interesting um, illustration. I, I spoke to somebody who taught palliative care um, when I was living in Seattle, and he told me that um, he, he did a lot of work with um, with doctors, uh, doctors who were already in practice, you know. And he said that he, he realised that very early on that, that often doctors have been successful medical students and before that they've been very successful at school and you know they've been the smartest kids in the class and suddenly when it comes to palliative care they have something that they can't fix and they can't get their head around the fact that you know um their eight years of study and um their quote-unquote privileged <laughs> privileged background you know doesn't give them an answer for this right you know, so and and that that's a challenge, you know, and but you know, and often you say like they, they they just actually don't have words to even talk to a patient in in the way that they need to be spoken to because they've never dealt with 
failure. So, yeah, I mean, you clearly get a kick out of now and again. <laughs> you know, um, schooling the medical students. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a cheekiness in me that kind of, I don't know, I just, yeah, I like to play. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, with no, you know, a mischievous in a good I'm being heart cheeky way. here. Yeah, man. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like to kind of push them a little bit and let's have a different take on this, you know. Yeah. Most likely, yeah, it's a little blip and then it's gone. And then, you know, you are constantly bombarded by your environment and you're influenced by that. And that, you know, suck back into their whatever whatever they've been doing. But, you know, you hope that the little drops uh, may surface somewhere down the line, you know, in their personal life or in their working life. It, It was one of the things that really triggered me when I was here, you know, when I was here with my mum was the importance of role modelling good heart and doctors here were good at that yes. nurses here were good at that yeah. the domestic staff were good at that mm-hmm. the people that came in with the meals were good at that yeah. role modeling good heart and geez if we can't even if it is just a blip mm-hmm. and if it is just a, one experience sh- that's got to be good can you articulate for yourself as a as a as a nurse practitioner what what matters most? I, th- I, th- I think I've probably covered it already. Yeah, um, I guess about being willing and, and, and a level of ability also to be with people in a very um, direct and raw fashion in, in what for most people is a very scary period of, of their life. For me, the heart is about really um, accepting the situation as it is and in palliative care, yeah, in, in the palliative care dialogue, it's accepting the situation, accepting people, the illness, the inevitability, and not being, not shying off that, staying very much present and a witness to that without flinching, yeah? Not in a stoic heart sort of sense, but in a really compassionate way, yeah, and just, okay. I see that, I don't deny it, and I'm willing to step in there with you and face it. 